Hey folks, Andy Patton here. We are continuing our season in review series today discussing all things transfer guard Rasir Bolton, how his season went, reviewing my best and worst case predictions for the transfer guard ahead of the season, and a look at whether or not I think he will return for another year in Spokane. All right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Gonzaga athletics. I also want to thank all of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day, especially now during the off-season. I sincerely appreciate people who continue to listen to the show, so thank you to all of you. And thank you to those of you who have checked out the show on YouTube. We did it! The goal was to cross 500 subscribers before the final game of the college basketball season. It is a bummer that the Zags are not still playing in that final game. But as I record this on Monday afternoon, about an hour before the tip-off between Kansas and North Carolina, we are over 500 subscribers on the YouTube channel. I cannot tell you all how much it means to me for your patronage to continue to check out the show on podcast platforms and on YouTube. It sincerely really does mean a lot to me. So thank you for those of you who have done that. Today is the second in what will ultimately be a 12-part series discussing all of the players on the Gonzaga Bulldogs roster, reviewing their season, how they did, their highs, their lows. Then in the second segment, we look at the best-case, worst-case scenarios that I laid out before the season, see how good my predictions were, how poor my predictions were, whatever it may be. And then in the final segment, we look at the player's future, whether it's in Spokane, whether it's not what that looks like. Today... We are talking Roz Bolton, the latest in a long, long line of excellent transfer guards that have come to Spokane and played extremely well under coach Mark Few. Bolton is a well-traveled basketball player. He played at five high schools before he committed to Penn State out of high school a couple of years ago. He went to Penn State, joined the Nittany Lions, averaged 12 points, was a good shooter off the bench. Ended up transferring to Iowa State. The circumstances there are, are pretty horrific for anybody who does not remember this story or has not heard this story. He was at Penn State. The coach made some comments that were uh, that sounded racially charged. He made references to uh, nooses, which is never a good thing to say. Uh, Bolton and his family said some complaints. The coach then benched Bolton for the rest of the season. Pretty ugly situation. Understandable. He left. He went to Iowa State. Spent two years with the Cyclones. Iowa State was good this year, but it's worth remembering they were very, very bad when Bolton was there. Not because of him, of course. He was a very good player for them. 15 points, four boards, three and a half assists. But he was kind of their only good player after Tyrese Halliburton got hurt. Uh, You could understand after two years of winning, I believe, 14 games total, he was tired of that. He wanted to go somewhere where he would win some basketball games. He made the right choice. He came to Gonzaga. He played for Mark Few. He committed on April of 2021, and he started every game for the Zags this season. Did not miss a beat as a starter at Iowa State. We thought, maybe he'll come here and play more of a 
reserve role. You know, there's a lot of other talented guards. Bolton came in and immediately established that he deserved to be one of the top dogs in this program on this team. He averaged 27 and a half minutes per game, so immediately was playing a big, significant role right out of the chute for the Zags. He finished his first season in a Gonzaga uniform, averaging just over 11 points, about two and a half rebounds, about two and a half assists per game. None of those are anywhere close, frankly, to his career highs. The rebounds is actually pretty close, but he was obviously playing a very different role for Gonzaga, not as much of a primary ball handler, not asked to carry as much of a load offensively. When that happens frequently, this is what I call the Ryan Woolridge effect. We see players who are asked to do less offensively, who are then far more efficient offensively because they are not being guarded by the opposing team's best player necessarily because they are getting more open looks as opposed to being double or triple teamed in some of those cases. And this was absolutely the case here for Bolton. He averaged or he shot 50.2% from the field and 46% even from three. Those are career highs and those are career highs by a significant margin for Bolton. He was a below average three-point shooter coming to Gonzaga. He not only surpassed that, he had one of the best statistical individual shooting seasons from beyond the arc in a long while. We're talking Corey Kispert levels, Killian Tilly levels of three-point efficiency. Not quite the volume, that those guys had, which makes sense on this team with a lot of offensive weapons. But regardless, the man shot over 45% from three for a guy whose career high prior to that was 36% back at Penn State, who shot 31.5% the previous season at Iowa State for him to turn around and add 15 percentage points to his three-point shot is remarkable. He was also Gonzaga's only consistent outside shooter. Andrew Nembhard had a good shooting season and deserves praise for that as somebody who wasn't a great shooter until this past year, but he still was not consistent. We saw him go through stretches where he wasn't shooting it well. Most of the season, I would argue that Chet Holmgren was consistent, but he was not at the beginning of the year. For the first, I want to say, 12-ish games of the season, he was shooting under 20% on three-pointers in the half-court offense. He was still shooting well in those transition threes, but his half-court sets were struggling. Bolton was the most consistent three-point shooter on this team, and the Zags really, really needed it. He was also a very good defensive player, something he hadn't really been prior to that in his career. Again, probably was asked to do a little bit less defensively this year, so he was able to be higher performing in that role. Uh, He also, according to many people on the broadcast, might be the fastest guard in Gonzaga's history. Certainly Dimitri Goodson is a part of that conversation. Quentin Hall is a part of that conversation. There are a handful of other players that I am likely forgetting right here that are a part of that conversation. But at the end of the day, Bolton could fly. He got out in transition faster than anybody I've ever seen in a Gonzaga uniform. He finished around the rim extremely well. He knew when to take his opportunities, when to run, when not to force it, bring it back. Very cerebral basketball player, very intelligent basketball player, very, very athletic and quick basketball player. And beyond that, one of my favorite things about Ros Bolton this year was he, you could tell he was prepared to step up when the Zags needed him to. This was Drew Timmy's team for the most part. When it wasn't Drew Timmy's team, it was often Andrew Nembhard's team. And then, of course, you have Chet Holmgren, this incredibly rare, unique, unicorn-style player. 
but Bolton very often was Gonzaga's best player in games where other guys weren't playing well. He stepped up. He had 16 points against Texas, the second game of the season. That game was obviously dominated by Drew Timmy, but for him to step up and knock down 16 in his second game was huge. He had 15 against Duke, a game where a lot of Gonzaga's other players really struggled. He had 17 against Tarleton State, which ditto most of Gonzaga's guards really struggled in that game, and he stepped out, knocked down 17 points. Perhaps my favorite game from Bolton this entire season was the loss to St. Mary's in the regular season finale. It was not a good game, not a fun game for anybody watching who was rooting for Gonzaga, of course. But in the second half of that game, Gonzaga was still struggling to make adjustments. They were still struggling to stay in the game. And Bolton single-handedly hit huge shots throughout the entire second half. That game stayed close because of Razier Bolton. The only reason they did not get blown out in that game was because of the way that he played in the second half. You could tell that man did not want to lose that game. Nobody on Gonzaga wanted to lose, but Bolton stepped up and did something about it and nearly willed that entire team to a very improbable come-from-behind victory. He also had 18 in the WCC championship game against St. Mary's, the game that the Zags, of course, won, but Bolton was not going to let them lose that one. He had a great game there. He had 17 points against Memphis and came up really critical in the second half of that game as well. Bolton was a guy who played exactly the role that Gonzaga needed him to do. And this is this is what makes Mark Few and the way that their staff operates on the transfer portal so special and so unique. Their ability to identify players who not only have the skill set that they're looking for to fill those roles, but have the willingness, have the ability to do that. It is not easy to find guys, especially guys who were, I mean, he was the man at a power five school. For him to be willing to, yeah, he played 28 minutes a game. It's not like he was a reserve. You know, he was he was a high-level performer for this Gonzaga team. But he came to a school knowing that he would have less usage. He'd have the ball in his hands less often. He wouldn't be facilitating. A lot of those things, he knew a lot of that. And he was still willing to come here to settle for that role and to help this team win. And when they needed him to step up and be the man, something that he did a lot, Earlier in his career, he was able to do it. And that is not an easy task by any stretch of the imagination. And he deserves an incredible amount of praise, of compliments, of just of kudos, whatever you want to give him for being able to do that. Because Gonzaga won some games because of Razier Bolton. And they made some games close that they did end up losing also because of Razier Bolton. He deserves a lot of credit for some of those performances throughout the season. Now, we're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to review the best and worst case scenarios that I laid out for Bolton before the season. We're going to see how right I was. We're going to see how wrong I was. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Built Bar. This is the time of the year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. 
Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment two. Still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, still talking all things Rasir Bolton as we start our season in review series, the second one. We did Andrew Nemhard last week. For those of you who missed it, it was Wednesday's episode, late March. Check that one out if you haven't already. We're going to have a full playlist of all of these on YouTube for everybody to check out as they come out, two to three or so per week. Uh, Second segment here, we're looking best case, worst case scenarios. Uh, I laid these out before the season started. They were best case within reason, worst case without injury. So we weren't talking about guys being All-Americans. If it was not really reasonable that they'd be All-Americans, we weren't talking about guys getting hurt as the worst case scenario because that's always the worst case scenario. So I kept my notes. So we're just going to look through those notes, talk about what we got right, what we didn't get right, and kind of why why that was. Uh, The best case scenario for Rasir Bolton, according to Andy, in October of 2021 was that he steps into a starting role alongside Andrew Nemphart and Julian Strother. Yep, got that one correct. I mentioned that Salas might start as well. Obviously, that did not happen. He is lined up to be a starter for next season. But yes, Bolton immediately established that he deserved to be a starter on this roster. Next up, the best case scenario is that his efficiency is up and he's now that he's not the guy. Absolutely. I had mentioned before the season that the Ryan Woolridge effect, like I said, is kind of something we were hoping to see out of Bolton. And once again, the Zags really, really good at finding these guys who can step into these roles and be more efficient, you know, get more open looks and take advantage of them. And Bolton, again, 15% increase in his three-point percentage. His two-point percentage, only a small increase, but still 3.3% better on two-point shots than he was in his final season at Iowa State. So more efficient around the rim, more efficient in the mid-range, more efficient significantly from beyond the arc as well. Next up, best-case scenario, he plays well off the ball and wreaks havoc by getting to the rim consistently and drawing contact. So one of the things that I talked about with Bolton a lot before the season was his ability to draw contact, get to the free-throw line, and convert from the stripe. He took about four free-throw attempts per game in his couple of seasons at Iowa State. He was about an 85% free-throw shooter as well. Wasn't really the case here. Uh, his free-throw percentage dropped significantly. His free-throw attempts dropped significantly. He averaged under two free-throw attempts per game for the Zags. Again, he had the ball in his hands a lot less, so it's not surprising that he got less free-throw attempts. His percentage dropped as well. Granted, it was 81.7%, so he was still an 82% free-throw shooter on the year, but he didn't really do a... He didn't get a lot of opportunities to drive to the rim, draw contact, get to the free-throw line. It just wasn't really a part of his game. Granted, when you improve your three-point percentage as much as you do, you don't really need to be trying to get to the rim. Just take the outside shots. They're worth more points anyway, and that's kind of what we saw from him this past season. Next up, he is a incredible in transition, throws down some serious thunderous dunks. Not really a big dunker, so we didn't really see that all that much. But again, Bolton was one of, if not the best transition scores Gonzaga's had in a very long time. This team was ran at a frenetic pace all season long, and Bolton had a huge part in that happening. I mentioned that he could be another great pick-and-roll player for Mark Few to exploit alongside Timmy and Chet Holmgren. The Zags didn't really use him in this role. Nemhart is such an adept, talented pick-and-roll navigator that they kind of just stuck Bolton in corners and allowed him to be you know, the, the off 
off the ball shooter uh, to get get passes from Nembhard when the pick and roll wasn't there. Uh, when the defense collapsed, try to stop Timmy or Chet who were rolling to the rim. Nembhard could kick it out to the shooter. Again, some of these assumptions were not factoring in the fact that Bolton would knock down nearly half his three pointers. Once it became clear he was that good of an outside shooter, he became more of a stand on the wing, weak side scoring option as opposed to being the primary action ball handler. He just he never really adapted or he never really took over that role because the Zags didn't really need him to. Again, the playmaking skills are still there, and it was a schematic or lack of talent at Iowa State that meant his, you know, his playmaking skills didn't show up there as much. I think he probably is a good playmaker, but the Zags just didn't ask him to do that. He, he, wasn't, he didn't need to be in that role when Nempard wasn't facilitating the offense often. It was Nolan Hickman who was doing so. Bolton did occasionally. It just wasn't really a primary part of what he was being asked to do. I mentioned the three-point shot ticking up. We already covered that extensively this episode. His three-point shooting percentage came up incredible amount, more than I could have possibly imagined. I said 36% would be a best-case scenario. He was 46. Proved me wrong entirely in that regard. Very happy when my best-case scenario is less than the actual scenario that happens. Uh, it means that I need to expand my my horizons in terms of what we talk about as best and worst case scenarios, but it's nice to be wrong in that way about a player like Bolton. And then finally, for best case, he's all WCC. He averages double digits points per game, and he wins Gonzaga a few contests because of his skills. Basically, all of that happened. He did average over double-digit points per game. He did win Gonzaga a few games because of how talented he is. He was not all WCC, but that's not his fault. That is the WCC for not voting for him. He was an honorable mention, so he did get some kind of acknowledgement from the WCC, but it was pretty criminal that he was not considered an all WCC second team member considering how good of a season he had. All right, so most of the best-case scenarios came true, so as you can probably guess, that means most of the worst-case scenarios did not, which is fortunate. I mentioned that the worst-case scenario is that he ends up in the fourth guard role off the bench, and he struggles to carve out a consistent role. Again, he had a consistent role from day one. Not an issue at all. Mark Few and the staff loves experience. They love veteran guys. And on a team with two freshman guards and then a sophomore guard in Dominic Harris who was unable to play, it made sense that Bolton just immediately elevated himself to being a big-time contributor for this team. I mentioned that he can only reliably play off the ball would be a worst-case scenario, which it, I was just kind of wrong about. He, he effectively was only an off-the-ball scorer, but he was so dang good at it that it just didn't matter. They didn't need him to facilitate the offense. They didn't need him to run high pick-and-roll actions. They didn't need him to be a primary passer or anything like that. He didn't need to do that. I mentioned that him becoming a black hole would be a problem, and again, it, it just wasn't. He, he capably ran the offense. He, he often got the ball in situations where he was supposed to catch and shoot, and he did that a lot. He only averaged 2.3 assists per game, so it's not like he was you know, going out and facilitating, like I said, but he was very, very good at knowing when to shoot, knowing when to continue to run the offense. He's just a very skilled, intelligent basketball player, and it showed through in the way that he operated throughout the season. Next up, I mentioned that we don't see that uptick in efficiency, and he just isn't much of a shooter. Obviously not the case. He became a very, very, very good shooter for the Zags, and I also mentioned that his defense could potentially be an issue. Coming into this year, Bolton's defensive numbers, based on some of the advanced stats out there, were not very good. Now, individual defensive ratings are really, really hard to contextualize. When you're on a bad team like Iowa State, pretty much every player on Iowa State probably looked bad defensively last season. 
because they were not a good team. <laughs> they gave up a lot of points. Bolton was a cons- based on defensive rating, which is a flawed stat. I'll acknowledge that it's not the best, but it basically gives you how many points you'd give up per 100 possessions. For his first three years in college, Bolton was over 105 points per 100 possessions. That's not good defensively. This year, he was under 100. He was like 96. So he made an incredible stride defensively as a perimeter defensive player. Watching him, he always looked like a good defensive player. Mark Few was willing to put him on the opposing team's best player frequently. The first time the Zags played San Francisco, Bolton was all up in Jamari Bouye's grill the entire game. He was his nose was within four inches of Bouye's face the whole game. He was face guarding. He was not playing any help defense. They were not switching. He was just right up on his face. Before the season, I would not, if I if you had told me that Bolton is going to draw that assignment, my first concern would have been that that means the rest of Gonzaga's perimeter defenders are much worse than we thought or hurt. Dominic Harris was hurt. He may have drawn that assignment had he been healthy. That is a factor. But Bolton ended up stepping up and being a great perimeter defensive player. And that is a that is a testament to just working hard. There is obviously some natural skill and ability that comes with being a good defensive player. But at the end of the day, a lot of it is just working really hard. And for him to come in and be that kind of player here when he hadn't been previously in his career is a testament to how hard he was willing to work to help this team win. All right, we're going to come back. In the third segment, we're going to take a look at the future for Rasir Bolton. He has a year of eligibility, so he could return. We know he loves Spokane, so it is definitely not out of the question that he could return for another year. We're going to talk about what I think is going to happen with him, but before we get there, let's talk about Bet Online. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four, and by the time you are listening to this, we will have a national champion, either the North Carolina Tar Heels or the Jayhawks of Kansas. The Zags unfortunately fell short of this game's pinnacle week, but that does not mean that fans cannot remain in on the action. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Heck, they even have lines on a fight between Will Smith and Chris Rock, should you be so inclined. Head to our website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zach. We're still continuing our season in review series. Two out of 12 today talking about transfer guard Rasir Bolden and the excellent season that he had in Spokane. But the question now is, will he be back? This past season was Bolton's fourth in a collegiate uniform. He played one year at Penn State, played two at Iowa State, and of course, one at Gonzaga. However, because... Of COVID-19, he has an extra year of eligibility. That is something that was granted to everybody who was playing college basketball during the 2020-2021 season. So he could, in theory, return and play for Gonzaga for another year. He could also 
enter the transfer portal and play another season of college basketball somewhere else. I will say this, that to me seems like the least likely scenario. I think the most likely scenario, and we'll just come right out and say it, is I do not think he's returning. I think he's going to go play professional basketball. I, he's played four years in college. He has not. He does not have anything left to prove, and I think he's going to move on. I don't think he ever came here with the intention of playing multiple seasons. I could be wrong. I have not spoken to Bolton specifically. I have not spoken to his family specifically. They have not made any indication necessarily one way or the other on what he is doing. Likely he is weighing his options right now, including the transfer portal, including opting for the NBA draft, including looking at some overseas options as well. And of course, including returning to Gonzaga. He's got a lot of great options. Things that I will tell you in case you missed this wonderful article written by Jim Meehan at the Spokesman Review. Bolton, this man loves Spokane. I mean, he loves Spokane so much. He came here. He found out they had opportunities to help out in the community, to help out with the homeless population. He wanted to get involved immediately. He, NIL rules were brand new. He found out that he had ways that he can use his name image likeness for the first time in NCAA history. He can use that directly to benefit others. He jumped on YouTube videos. He asked people to donate supplies, events, backpacks was a big part of it to help the homeless community in Spokane. And he has done that all season long. He's one of the, there have been so many great advocates for the Spokane community through the Gonzaga program. I don't want to say that there haven't been so many good ones because there have, but Bolton is one of the best. For him to be a guy who, this is his third school, his likely final year of playing basketball. He, he not only gave everything that he had, to, the bas- to this team on the basketball court, but for him to come in and embrace the community the way that he did. This is not something that you have to do. You don't have to do this if you spend four full years at the same school or five years at the same school, but you definitely don't have to do this when you're traveling across the country for the first time in your life to spend one year, again, assuming it could be two, but to spend one year of your life playing basketball in one place, and that's it. You don't have to embrace the community the way that he did. And he and that, to me, that says so much about him as a person, about how he was raised, about his family. And, and yeah, maybe, maybe it's some indication that he's going to come back, that he doesn't feel like his work is done, not just on the basketball court, but in the community as well. I don't know how much that this is a factor for him decision-wise. Again, I'm not in his head. I'm not in his family's head. I don't know. But I know that the community embraced him and he embraced them in a way that we have not seen from very many guys in a Gonzaga uniform, especially guys who have only been here for one season up to this point. In terms of his professional aspirations, it's hard to say. I don't think that he's an NBA guy. He's he's undersized for a combo guard. He's about the same size as CJ McCollum, who plays the, the two guard in the NBA. CJ is considered wildly undersized for his position. The reason he's successful is he's an incredible ability to go get a bucket, something that Bolton doesn't quite have. Bolton's only had one great season as a three-point shooter. I think scouts might be a little bit hesitant about that. And again, at 6'3", 180, he probably needs to be a true point guard. And he just doesn't have NBA caliber point guard skills at this point. So I don't think he's an NBA player. Uh, I think he's absolutely a professional basketball player. There is very, very little doubt in my mind that if he were to go find a contract right now, he could go overseas. He could play at some of the highest levels in Europe. He could play in the G League without a doubt. Uh, I think he would uh, he would get looks from NBA teams. I think he would play in the summer league. 
there's a chance a team likes him enough to give him a two-way contract. But for me, I think it's more likely that he his professional aspirations as a basketball player happen outside of the United States. I still think that he might make that decision now. He's already played four years in college. The older you get, the less likely the NBA is going to look favorably upon you. We know that there are counterexamples to this. Corey Kispert being a very notable one, the player who came back and increased his draft stock. I'm, Bolton's not going to come back and get physically bigger. He's not going to come back and be the primary point guard, most likely. So I don't think that there's a lot of benefit to him in terms of his professional career for coming back. But again, he could come back. He could opt to continue to help the community through NIL. He could play a big role for a team that has championship aspirations once again. There's absolutely an opportunity for him to do that. Now, the Zags are working the phones hard for the transfer transfer guards right now. We've seen them connected to basically every good transfer guard on the market, which leaves me to believe that Bolton and or Nembhard have already communicated privately with the coaching staff what their plans are. Whether it's both of them, whether it's just one of them at this point, I'm not sure. But my guess is if the staff had an inkling that both these guys were considering coming back, which I find very unlikely, they probably wouldn't be working the phones as hard as they are. So if this is the end of Rasir Bolton's time in a Gonzaga uniform, what an incredible season. He is the next in a long line, a remarkable line of excellent transfer guards. Byron Wesley, Jordan Matthews, Admon Gilder, Ryan Woolridge, Aaron Cook, Geno Crandall. It's been a tremendous group of guards, guys who have helped this team to the national championship. The Zags do not get there without Jordan Matthews hitting that huge shot against West Virginia. You could argue Aaron Cook had a significant role in them getting the championship game last season. Obviously, the Zags fell short this year, but had they made it, Roz Bolton would have been a big part of that conversation as well. The Zags continue to do extraordinary things on the transfer market. If Bolton's time in a Gonzaga uniform is done, you can bet that the next guy that they bring in who fills this role on this team next season is going to be very, very good as well because Mark Few and his staff, they just don't miss when it comes to these guys. All right, that is going to do it for me today. We got fun Zags in the NBA episode coming on Wednesday. We got another season in review episode to close out the week, so don't miss out. All right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen every day. Now is a great time to make your second listen, the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. With the college basketball season wrapping up, give Raphael Barlow and a flurry of guests a listen as they prepare for the NBA draft. Hear thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!